It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90NATION or visit windownation.com. It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop. And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's welcome Elliot Shore Parks. Elliot, should John be able to rip one of those things? I'm just happy I'm not involved in whatever this nipple document is. I'll just oh, say that. Eagles, Sixers, we can talk all types oh. of things. I'll stay away from the nipple. I don't know. I don't know which is worse, Elliot. Like we've sunk to a new low, but I actually have a document related to my nipples, where that yeah. we had a caller call in today and say like it's really important for the Sixers to re-sign B-Ball Paul. I mean, my God. Yeah, I think both, both, both are sad. Although B-Ball Paul had a good play. He did. But he, your nipples are probably out of magic growth. So I'll, I don't know if we want to I'll tell you, my nipples it. are my priority. They might not be everyone else's priority, <laughs> but I care about them. All right, Elliot, let's start Eagles. We'll get to some other stuff as we go. But um, this this schedule, do you have a concern for the Eagles that the schedule could be a real impediment to the Birds being the number one seed? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think the, the schedule made it harder to get back to the Super Bowl. Um, when you talk about next year, I think, you know, I, I heard you guys talking earlier in the show. And if you say there's a perception like, hey, like next year might be tough. It's almost like you're, you're taking a shot at the team. I think both things can be true. The Eagles are the best team in the NFC. They're, you know, probably or they are, I would say, a top three team in the NFL. Their schedule next year is tough. And you're coming off a year where you, we've seen it. When you come off a Super Bowl, it is extremely hard the next year to go back. I think no team in the NFC has done it since the 70s. And the only team that's done it, I believe, in the entire NFL is the Patriots during that, that, that time frame or close to it. So it's an extremely hard task they have in front of them. So when you combine everything they're dealing with with the fact that the schedule is really tough, they could win 12 games next year or 11 games and still be almost just as good of a team as they were last year. I think this second year is going to be extremely difficult. We've seen it time and time again. So, yeah, I, I think the schedule did make this tougher on the team. Elliot, uh, what have the activities looked like at the NovaCare Center? What have these new players been doing yeah. while in town? Yeah, so the Eagles, uh, amongst all the teams in the NFL, are one of the teams that takes it a bit lighter during this time of, of the year. I know we've had that debate almost every offseason, mm-hmm. but that's how they do things. So they are on the field. They are doing you know individual drills. Uh, they're, they're throwing the football. Jalen's getting reps in with his receivers. But I know Sirianni likes to use this time to you know get guys back in shape, to, to kind of set the culture for the season. So yeah, they're out on the field. They're working out. They're having meetings, but obviously, you know, no pads, no helmets, nothing like that. And what is your impression of uh, Sean Desai early so far? Uh, mm-hmm. How will he change the the defensive side of the ball this year? So we got to we got a chance to talk to Sean Desai once, uh, and he was very impressive. Um, you know, seemed extremely smart, uh, extremely personable. Uh, so I, you know, and my initial impression is, is very good of him. Uh, 
I do hope the way he talked about it is not the way he coaches. You know, he, he talked about how he wants the, the opposing team to feel the defense. And so, you know, be it. And I, I get that. But ultimately, I hope he doesn't come in and is like a blitz-happy defensive coordinator. I don't think that's what he will be. I think you'll see some changes. He's going to put some wrinkles on it. But ultimately, they hired Sean Desai because the defensive philosophy of this organization is don't give up big plays, create turnovers, and get pressure with your front four. That's what the organization believes in. That's what Sirianni believes in. So there will be some wrinkles, but I would be very surprised, even though he talked about it, if Sean Desai came in next year and the Eagles you know, jumped into the top 10 of blitz percentage. Elliot, there have been past years under Howie Roseman where the Eagles have made a move we didn't see coming late in what you'd call free agency or even right before the season starts. Yeah. Uh, I mean, certainly one of the more notable ones was Ronald Darby uh, about three or two weeks before the season started in 2017. What's the spot defensively that you think Howie could still be very interested in significantly upgrading before the season begins? Well, an important part of that to point out is they have a lot of flexibility. They have a lot of draft picks next year, and they still have a, a decent amount of cap space. I think they're at around 20 20- 20 million around there. So, so they have room to make a move. I think if they make a move, it would probably be in the middle of the defense, whether it be at linebacker safety or defensive tackle. And uh, with defensive tackle, obviously they're deeper than those other two spots. Who knows what Jordan Davis is going to be. He's coming in off an injury and a somewhat disappointing rookie year. We saw them add to that defensive tackle spot last year. And we also know it's a position they really value. So defensive tackle is one I would keep an eye on. The other is linebacker. N'Kobe Dean, he's going to get a shot at this job, but I don't believe he's in a position where they're just going to put him out there no matter what. I think he's going to have to earn it in training camp, and he'll have a chance to do that. But if he doesn't, they will go out and add there. And then safety. Uh, They really like Sidney Brown, but he is a rookie. Uh, Reed Blankenship, limited snaps last year. They liked what they saw, but overall limited snaps. And then Terrell Edmonds, you know, a nice player. I'm excited about him, but he wasn't a big money signing. So. They are extremely strong you know, almost everywhere on the roster, but that middle of the defense, I think, is where there's questions, and that's where you would see him make a move. Elliot, I know it's early in Kobe Dean's career, but if you could project forward, let's say five years from now we're having a conversation. Kobe Dean would have been what six years into his career? What is he? What's he going to become? I, I mean, I don't know, maybe on another team. I, I, I think I, <laughs> I like Kobe a lot personally, and I think that he reminds me a lot of Jalen in the way that with Jalen coming out, there was a lot of questions about his physical limitations, right? Is his arm strong enough? His accuracy, those things. But what we didn't know about Jalen at the time was he was good enough that he was able to work hard and overcome those. I think Nicobe has some of those qualities. But I also think Nicobe is starting from a, from a tougher spot in the way that I don't see the fit for him in, in, in this defense. He, he's not big enough to be a middle linebacker, and he's not athletic enough to play on the outside. And while the Eagles linebacker play, linebackers played well last year, you just can't tell me that if there was a role for N'Kobe Dean, they wouldn't have found a way. They drafted him in the third round. There's someone that he, that he was high on, all those things. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a bit of a red flag he didn't get on the field last year. And I have questions about just his physical limitations as an NFL player. But like I said, he did it at Georgia, so I'll give him somewhat the benefit of the doubt. But I'm I'm not as high on his chances as other people are. Elliot, you're saying Sidney Brown, they they really like him. Uh, is there fire to go with the smoke to the point where he's making such an impression he could be a starter for us as a rookie? Yeah, definitely. I think there's a really good chance he starts uh, week one uh, for this team. Because, again, when you look at the safety positions, there's just nobody that's locked in as a starter. I mean, Edmonds might be the closest just because – 
He's a veteran that's played in the league, but he didn't get a ton of guaranteed money. So he's not a lock to, to get a starting job. So, yeah, I do think Sidney Brown, he's versatile. They like that he can come up and cover at the line of scrimmage. They think that he's a good in-the-box safety, so you can be versatile with him that way. And then also they do think he's fast enough, and the testing at the combine showed it, that he can play you know, a double-high safety look if they want him to. I don't know about single-high, but I think they feel comfortable with him playing deep. So, yeah, I think of all the safeties, he probably has the most physical ability. And as a second-round – or, you know, first-round or whatever he ended up being. Yeah, third-round. Uh, yeah, they're going to want him on the field. Elliot, tell me which tandem – you think we'll have more success this year for the Eagles along the defensive line? The two super old guys or the two super young guys? If you had to place a bet, who will be more productive? Is it Fletcher and Brandon Graham, or is it Jordan Davis and Jalen Carter? Or is it Jalen Carter and Milton Williams? Yeah, but he's... Or he's, Nolan Smith. I thought you were going to go that way. No, but, no, no. Um, Just the two Georgia guys are the two guys that helped him win a Super Bowl back in 2017. Like, who who's stock... Yeah is more to be believed in this year? I think it's Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham. Uh, if you're talking about just this year, uh, they were both really, really good last year. And uh, there are two players that each year we've done the thing, well, well, they're old, they can't possibly be this good again. And then they were. Well, like last year we all thought Fletcher Cox was basically done. It's why there was a lot of outrage that they re-signed him, and he came out and had an outstanding year. So I don't know about I don't agree with that. I thought he was a contributor. I would not say Fletcher well, I, Cox I had disagree. a – and outsta- John, do you think he had an outstanding no. year? No. Okay, I... well, I think he was top five in the league in defensive uh, of sacks for a defensive tackle. He got paid $14 million on a one-year deal. I think that but shows that's his market That's not validation. Value. That's a mistake well, by the Eagles. That is validation. When you hit the ball, the Jets were going to no pay him that money. No one else wanted to pay him. I, I don't that's know that. That's not true. The, the, I, I do know that. The Jets were going to pay him that money. So there was another, at least one other team out there that was willing to do it. And, again, from a rushing the quarterback standpoint, he was one of the best in the league from the interior of doing that. You could argue it's because he had a lot of talent around him. I'm just saying, statistically, there were you know maybe five or I think five other defensive tackles that had more sacks. Hmm. Elliot, let's qu- uh, quickly flip to a different NFL issue. The league yesterday made a, a new rule. They've reinstituted the uh, third QB thing, where the guy doesn't count against the roster upon the start of the game, but he's allowed to get in there if two quarterbacks get injured. I think yeah. it's a lame move by the league. Look, in the end, I know what they're trying to do. They're trying to have what happened in the NFC Championship game not happen, but I also think as a viewer of sports, it's sort of exciting to know that if you knock out two quarterbacks, the, the fruits of your labor can bear out, and you can just dominate the rest of the game. Do you think this is a lame – like, I, I view this as more of society – just giving people the easy way out. Like, you know what? Protect your quarterback better. Don't get two quarterbacks get knocked out. Where do you come down on the NFL's lame approach yesterday? I think going down the road of blaming teams for players getting injured is a dangerous road to go down, right? Like, injuries happen. And while I understand in Philadelphia this is a very hot topic button issue because of the championship game. And and because of the body bag game. Because it happened 33 years ago, and it was freaking phenomenal. Yeah, but, but I think when you look at that NFC Championship game outside of Philadelphia, no one enjoyed that game after they were down to playing Brock <laughs> Purdy with, with one arm. and Chris, like it, was, it was not a competitive game. So ultimately, yes, the Eagles would have beaten the Niners no matter what. I think they were the better team. They dominated early. You could have brought in you know, a, a third quarterback, and they still would have won that game. But it's not a good it's not a good you know, watching experience for all the fans. It was a boring game. The Niners had no chance of doing anything in that game. 
So if the result, uh, you know, if the rule means you just have one extra player on the sideline that can go in, I think it's a very smart move. And maybe one day the Eagles will benefit from it. I think if the Eagles found themselves in the situation the Niners were, fans would like this rule because they would realize that while the Niners were not going to win the game, that game was over the second they had the. Well, it was. I I, I kind of find it exciting, but I understand your point. For the national audience, perhaps not as much. Elliot, one other National Football League issue. So it was announced yesterday that Tom Brady is joining the Davis family as a co-owner, minority owner of the Oakland Raiders. Word is that he will be allowed to broadcast games on Fox for his 10-year, $375 million deal. Now, Magic Johnson... Had a similar thing when he was on TNT and ESPN as an Lakers owner, and Grant Hill's an owner of the Atlanta Hawks. I don't know if Grant Hill does Hawks games. I just know he's a Hawks owner. Do you think the NFL should permit Tom Brady as an owner to announce games and specifically announce Raiders games when it comes around at that point of the schedule? No, I don't think so. And it's because of the fact that there is already a perception from amongst fans when it comes to announcers. Like, look at Joe Buck. Whenever Joe Buck calls a game, it's, oh, he's not rooting for the Eagles. He doesn't want them to win or, or you know, whatever it is. So, ultimately, I would not allow Tom Brady to do it because it's just playing into the perception that when he does call a game, it doesn't have to be a Raiders game. Let's say he's calling a game that involves the Chiefs and yeah. people think he's being overly negative on the Chiefs. So, I, I would be surprised if he ever actually steps into a booth. I, I don't think this is something – that will happen, but I, I, no, I do not think he should be allowed mm. to do it as, a, as an owner. And one quick uh, Sixers question for you, Elliot, because we do have our Twitter poll question of the day today as it relates to James Harden. It's brought to us by Armin Chevrolet, celebrating their 23rd anniversary. Find new roads, visit ArminChevy.com to see Armin's quality, certified, low-mileage, pre-owned inventory. Elliot, what's the answer to this question? Should the Sixers offer James Harden a two-year deal for $70 million? Yes, absolutely. I don't even think that's a question. If they can get him for two years, $70 million, I would say that's, that's a steal. I thought you were going to talk about giving him a max deal. Uh, oh, James, Harden was really good. He, James Harden was a really good player last year for the Sixers. And in that Celtics series, they probably get swept if he's not on it. I, I understand the hesitation about a four-year deal because who knows in year three where he's at. But two years, $70 million, they could they have a chance to win a title next year with this exact same team. So, of course, I would bring back Harden at two years, $70 million. Elliot, despite the fact that you're wrong with the last oh answer, still love you, man. I don't see how I'm wrong. I love you well, guys, you're too, wrong twice. I wish you luck with you're, your nipple thing, but you're, you're, you're wrong. Dude, you're wrong on two years, $70 million. You're wrong on, like, max offer. What do you doing with max offer? What, what, why, why, what world is Harden not worth $35 million a in year? In the he world where I want to win in five years and four years and three years. And the Sixers had a chance to win the title this year. They didn't do it. That sucks. But they were one of the best teams in the league. It is what it is. I mean, I'm emotional that they lost, too. It sucks. But the reality is they were one of the best teams in the league with James Harden on the roster. Elliot, stay well, buddy. All right. I'll talk to you guys. Thanks, Elliot.